Hello and welcome to Show Me Your Mic, podcast about podcasting. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash smym or on Twitter at smym underscore fm. I'm your host, Chris Enns. And for this episode, I've got Stephen Grasso. He's one of the hosts of the Cafe Racer podcast, a show all about motorcycling. We talk about Stephen's jump from listener to co-host, figuring out gear to record in studio, as well as at bike shows and events. You can imagine there's a few noises and things you have to deal with at a bike show, as well as building a community around a niche topic and the benefits of doing so. My thanks to Campaign Monitor and A Small Orange for supporting this episode of Show Me Your Mic. More about them a little later in the show. For now, enjoy my conversation with Stephen. Tell me about your show, the Cafe Racer Podcast, and uh, what what is a cafe racer, and what is a podcast about cafe racers? <laughs> well, you know, cafe racer is a, a genre of motorcycle. It was um, kind of a type of motorcycle that came about in um, London back in the late 50s, early 60s. And it's just really now a real broad paintbrush term for a motorcycle that's kind of been like chopped up a little bit and made to look like a race bike. So the term cafe racer, there's some saying it's kind of a derogatory term, like you're not a real racer, you're a cafe racer. But these guys kind of hung out at um, restaurants, for lack of a better term. There were motorway restaurants and kind of raced from one cafe to the next, you know. But at the time, motorcycles were pretty much a, a inexpensive way of transportation, and that's what a lot of people could afford. Working people at the time, so these were like standard bikes, you know, BSAs, Norton Triumphs, and uh, the guys would kind of like chop them up to make them look like a race bike. So they would take off anything that they didn't think was necessary, like turn signals and you know fenders and chain guards and things like that, and then kind of make them look like the race bikes of the time. And they wanted to make them lighter. And one of the things back then was trying to get to 100 miles an hour, which was called doing the ton or ton up. But like I said, it's kind of a broad paintbrush nowadays. And the my co-host of the show ha- has a fondness for that type of motorcycle. And so do I. And he kind of coined the, the name of the show, the Cafe Racer Podcast. But we don't limit it to that that type of motorcycle or that lifestyle because there are people that they still do, you know, cafe racer meetups and get togethers and they have the mods versus rockers things going, which was like a big rivalry between motorcyclists and scooter riders in, in uh, London that was kind of really blown out of proportion by the press at the time. But it's a lot of fun, you know, and it kind of like folds into the vintage bike scene too, because a lot of these cafe race, racer bikes that are period correct are now vintage motorcycles because some of them were made in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you know. And there's a lot of motorcycles now that are modern classics that are built new to look like that style motorcycle back then. So we, we kind of like fit it all together. And then uh, we also both like what's known as adventure bikes, which are motorcycles that can go off road. So we had owned the name ADV Cafe as well. The ADV moniker in the motorcycle world is that for adventure bike. But we talk about everything. You know, we don't really limit ourselves. There's we we don't we, we make fun of everybody and we make fun of ourselves when we talk about every motorcycle made, but it's primarily a motorcycle show. Nice. So I guess the obvious question is what uh, what kind of bike or bikes do you yourself own? This is show uh, me your show me your bike. <laughs> yeah, I've got four. I've got um, my 
would be called my cafe racer. I've got a, a 78 Honda CB750, which has been already been like kind of chopped and cafe racered out. But I'm in the process of deciding what I'm going to do with that bike. It might get sold. I started as a project bike and I'm not kind of happy with the way it's going. And then I have a, a 2013 Triumph Tiger, which is an adventure bike. It's a kind of a long suspension travel, 800cc motorcycle for highway touring and off-road. I have a 2013 Moto Guzzi Stelvio. Moto Guzzi is an Italian brand. It's the second oldest manufacturer of motorcycles in continuous, continuous existence behind Harley-Davidson. The Stelvio is also a big adventure tour. Got big hard metal bags on it. You can take it across country. I've actually ridden the bike out to New Mexico and Arizona, back to Florida. And then my bike that I use as my quote-unquote you know, cafe racer bike is a very rare 2002 Moto Guzzi v 11 10a which is uh there was only 170 of them made and that's what you would consider as a modern classic the bike was styled to look like a race bike from back in the day and uh it's kind of cool and that's kind of what got me that bike is what kind of got me introduced to my co-host because he originally started the show about a year before i joined and he had done an episode where he was asking for people to send in sound files or video files of their motorcycle. So I had done that, sent it in. He really liked the bike a lot. He thought it was cool. And then on another episode, he talked about, you know, people saying you should have a co-host. So I'd shot him an email and I said, you know, why don't you do like guest co-hosts from the industry? People that, you know, we, we know in the industry. And he's like, fine, when are you available? I'm like, I'm nobody, you know, <laughs> I'm just a listener. So he, I, we did a Skype call. We called in and, uh, it, we we kind of hit it off the two of us you know we had we uh kind of had some chemistry and gelled and people liked it and they wrote it in and said hey we like that guy and that was it and so now i've been there for a couple of years so nice so that's what i was going to ask because it's on uh well on uh, live as of the recording anyways this recording is 70 episodes and uh so when about did you join into the, the fun uh i think we were probably at like episode 20 something okay and, so fairly early on yeah we're at 70 70 we our numbering convention is we'll number the episodes that are actual episodes that we do on now on Google Hangout. But we have a lot of other uh, content that's like video interviews maybe or things like that. Because like we'll try to go to as many motor, motorcycle-related events as we can and do some interviews. So those are added separately as an, as an additional um, show. So we're probably closer to, I'd say, 90 with all the content we have. Right. And are you... You're pumping both those, like you have the video stuff, obviously posted to YouTube and using Google Hangouts, which we'll talk about a bit. And then also, are you are you doing the audio version of those as well? Yeah, what I'm doing is I'm ripping the audio out of YouTube. We're, we do backup recordings, but honestly, I've played them side by side and the stuff that I'm getting out of YouTube and then I'm processing it through Audacity. So what I'll do is, Right now, the show, when we do the show on um, Google Hangouts, we'll do a quick intro. We play a little bit of music, and then we do a, um, you know, we go into the show. So kind of what, uh, what I do when I get that out is I take that audio and I overlay the, in, the introduction over the intro music. So I kind of envelope that intro music a little bit. So the, the volume goes down and then have the intro over that music. And I don't use the music we play on the show live because it's done through the mixer and it's the it, because of bandwidth it, it sounds kind of hokey sometimes like it's stretching so i'll use a clean version of the music when i edit it and i do all the editing on audacity 
And then after that, I do, we have like a really small compression algorithm I add to it that's just a slight bump. And then the whole thing goes into Auphonic. I have the desktop version of Auphonic and levels it out to 16 luff. And it sounds good. You know, I've, I've compared it, what I've ripped out of that audio out of, uh, out of YouTube compared to what I've recorded. And for me, I can't tell much of a difference. So I, I'm keeping doing that right now. Yeah. Does it sound... Uh I know there's people like you're alluding to the fact that there's folks who sort of uh, do the other way of like recording the live stream audio separately from Google, still broadcasting that out, obviously through Google Hangouts and stuff, but recording the audio separately and using that audio and matching it back up with a video. I think a previous guest on the show was talking about that. Um, And I've had mixed results too, as far as whether it's worth that effort um, in the end, because it seems like, like obviously for whoever the host is or that person, that audio is does it sound a little bit better than the other person? It's similar to a Skype. You know, if you set up me as the host here, it would sound better than your Skype audio coming in, but not all that much better. Or how's it, how's it been? Well, you know, the truth is, is that that it usually yeah, you're right. It does sound better when it's done that way. And when we have guests come on, it's hit or miss what they're using. I mean, sometimes it's their laptop with their laptop camera and the built in microphone. And I'm just trying to work with that as best as I can. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times, the guests from the motorcycle industry, they're, they're not super tech savvy when it comes to podcasting and audio. So if, even to try to tell them to, to set it up something differently, I just make it as easy for them as I can because they're giving me their time. And a lot of these people work in the industry. So when, they're, when we're interviewing them, they're, they're at work. So, you know, it's not a hobby for them. And uh, mm-hmm. like I said, I try to make it as easy as possible for them and just say, hey, what have you got? You know, I've got my laptop and some Mac. All right, no problem. You got a webcam on there? Yeah, built-in microphone. Let's connect and see how it works. And we have them live on Google Hangouts, so we get video and everything. And it's not, you know, if it was horrific, like there was a lot of feedback or hissing, I would probably try to reschedule it and get them on the phone and, you know, try to work them through something better. But we've, we've done as much as we possibly can to upgrade our gear, which when we started, we were using really simple stuff. So mm-hmm. I think Chris was using a, you know, like a Microsoft headset with his webcam. And I started with my laptop and just like a blue Yeti or a, a blue Nessie and not knowing, I didn't know the difference between a condenser and a dynamic mic. So throughout that course of us kind of growing and getting feedback from people and saying, Hey, you know, the volume on the Last show was really difficult to deal with. You were really, <laughs> Chris was really low. So, you know, we kind of went and then upgraded to mixers and studio grade microphones and better quality webcams. And then that kind of like bled over into our remote field gear. So that was like upgrading cameras and audio recorders and all kinds of stuff. But yeah, which I want to get, get to covering some of that as well. But uh, maybe just stepping back a bit into the show and the and sort of community that develops around it and, and maybe why uh, a show like this works or, or whatever for the community that you're you're speaking to and, and talking with and engaging with. Uh, um, I know it wasn't your show to start with necessarily, but just the sort of, uh, did you start watching it from the beginning or how where did you join as far as a, a listener or viewer of the show? Well, I've been a consumer of podcasts for years, but I kind of found motorcycle podcasts by accident. I've been motorcycle riding since I was a kid, you know, and uh, kind of commuted on motorcycles and was involved in the community down here in sport touring, which is different than some of the other genres. But um, 
the, you know, I started to look through doing some searches for motorcycle podcasts on iTunes and I found something called side stand up, which was probably the longest running live show done by a guy named Tom Laddermilk. And he, they did it live and they had live call in guests and he did it for 11 years and then finally kind of got burned out and said, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much at it. And then on top of that, I started finding some other shows that there was a show called, um, it's still there called the Pace Podcast and then a show called Wheel Nerds and started listening to these and liked it. And then through that, I did a search for Cafe Racer because I liked that genre and found the Cafe Racer podcast and started listening there. And actually kind of like when I first interviewed or we, Chris first interviewed me, had me on the show, I kind of like bitched about there not being a big Cafe Racer community in South Florida. Well, that like, opened the floodgate of emails of people going, well, that guy didn't know what he's talking about. You know, come down here to this, come down here to this event. <laughs> Within like a month, I was invited to like four events and figured out, wow, this is a huge community down here. And now this last Saturday, we had a festival. We had like 7,000 people there that was a vintage motorcycle festival here in West Palm Beach. But the motorcycle podcasts in general are very popular. There is a big audience out there. There, there are quite a few of them on uh, iTunes that you can search for. And they kind of hit like all genres of motorcycling ones. There, there's uh, shows that are specific to like cruisers and the Harley Davidson American built motorcycle crowd. There are shows that are for the adventure rider where it's just strictly talking about that. Um, it kind of spreads the gamut. It's, it's, it's pretty neat and it's a pretty big community. It's growing. Yeah. And that's what, what's so great about podcasts in general is just that there's a, a niche and then a sort of sub niche for every interest possible almost these days. And if there isn't one, it's easy enough to get started doing it yourself. And um, so as far as listenership and stuff, is it primarily North American listeners or do you have a sense of sort of global yeah, audience? People from all over the world. You know, we, we see that in stats, but we also get emails from people. I just got an email the other day from a guy in New Zealand that was upset that I was making fun of Harley Davidson. You know, <laughs> it was all like kind of tongue in cheek. So, you know, we were shooting emails back and forth and but yeah, we have listenership everywhere. We, we've, we've gotten some really, really strange emails from people in other countries too, like wanting to send us weird content for the show. That, um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty broad reaching. And that's what amazes me is the community out there. And motorcycling is kind of an international thing. So, mm -hmm. And do you find it as far as uh, the community engagement, is it, uh, is it tuning in live to as much or is it more just listening after the fact? And Honestly, I really think it's more the consuming of the podcast. I, don't, I think the live views, when we did the show last night, we had two viewers. But here's the thing is we interacted with both of them through the Q&A. And that's cool. And that gives these two guys that are big fans of the show a chance to like interact with us live on the show. Mm -hmm. Maybe that'll grow. And you know, we're not really doing it for the live audience really as per se. It's really more just for the, the, the podcast consumer, but it's fun. We like doing it. We see each other. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Chris is in San Diego. I'm in Florida. So it's, uh, it, hopefully that'll grow. Hopefully we'll get a better live audience. We also don't do a very good job of, of one, keeping up some sort of a schedule because of both of our careers. And two, we don't like, go ahead and advertise. You know, like last night when we broadcast the show, five minutes before we broadcast, I put it on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, we're getting ready to record another episode. And yeah. then, <laughs> so, I mean, if we had a schedule that was a reset like you do for a certain amount of time, certain day, and we could advertise that in advance, I'm sure that we would have a lot more people watching. 
Yeah, and uh, well, and um, just as I'm looking at the site, I was trying to find the link to the to your YouTube channel, and there isn't one. So that that's uh, <laughs> there, it may it may be there. Sorry, I'm not looking through the whole site. I'm not trying to pick it apart. But <laughs> no, 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 and that it's it's true. And like if you look on but, the site for the last episode seventy on there, we'll have a link to the actual video. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a YouTube link, and that the site's something that we're getting ready to work on and and do some major upgrade to because neither one of us really have a background in like web development or things like that. We're kind of, both of us are anomalies because everybody I talk to, it's so funny. Like the guys, other guys that podcast about motorcycles, they're like IT guys, you know? Right. (laughs) And they understand this stuff. We're both not that at all. Chris is in the military. He's in the Navy. And I spent, I've got 34 years in the fire service. So we're like the farthest thing from the... (laughs) computer guys what chris is a tech guy he's an avionics tech on a helicopter in the navy but we're not you know your typical oh yeah i hard-coded that page myself like <laughs> yeah and that's i wasn't even bringing it up not not to whatever shame your guys or whatever anything like that but just uh, the fact that yeah <laughs> there is that is the case and it's fine like it we can't there's certainly as aspects of uh podcasting stuff that i'm not any good at and other people are good at and it's yeah there you can't it's really hard to be all things for everything with this but even just within podcasting because there's so many different angles on it marketing and audio engineering talking <laughs> interview skills booking promotion you know, all that kind of stuff that's hard to just keep up with but even still and that like you said the i think people often miss using hangouts as uh, and sort of look at things like numbers and think oh there's only two people or whatever like you said um, and miss the fact that those are two hardcore listeners and, and that's awesome. That they're just willing to show up and watch or listen. And then, uh, and like I said, it'll grow or it won't, but it's a great tool either way to use for recording podcasts and, and, uh, shouldn't be discounted even if you are just using it as a live thing for yourself and, and who cares? Well, about here's the, here's the value of it too, in um, in a legacy type mode. So when we've been, had interviews with people on from the industry that manufacture our product, let's say. So once that thing, they, they might not have people listening live, but they've been shooting customers to that page on YouTube or they've been linking to that page on their page saying, hey, we did an interview with the guys from the Cafe Racer podcast. Check it out. So the views then go up on that video, not necessarily live, but they're using it as a tool and it kind of helps our relationship with some of these manufacturers. Um, yeah, that's what I was just looking on your YouTube channel. There's that, I don't, I don't know what tech, but Senna Bluetooth 10C headset. <laughs> is a really cool and that's techie you know that's a that's a, a bluetooth headset that goes into the helmet that um connects to your phone and connects to your gps and you can listen to music and it's all uh done through voice commands and and seen as a korean company that's been building stuff for for the computer industry for a long time and they just branched off into motorcycles and the value of that was is that we because we both of us have been using Sina smh10s which are a, an earlier model they sent us two 20s's to, to demo and try and use, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, th- th- like there's a value to that. So we try to, I've been trying to improve the video and audio quality, both for the listener and consumer and both for the, the person who we're interviewing so that we provide a, a pretty decent, um, for lack of a better term, product for them. So, yeah. And it definitely helped. Like, I think that's where, again, even if it's a hobby thing, it's not something necessarily that's going to, you're trying to make this podcast your career or whatever, but as a hobby, it can be a great way to talk to folks that you wouldn't otherwise, you know, be able to just connect with. 
and also, like you said, get to try out different gear and stuff that uh, wouldn't, it's not like they would just hand out to any Joe off the street or whatever who wants to try it out for a few no, weeks. Or yeah, right. And, the, you know, the thing is, too, now we're considered a media outlet in the motorcycle industry, so we, we don't pay for, for trade shows. They, you know, they compass media and we get media credentials and media privileges, which is really nice because in the big consumer trade shows that are dealer shows, like there's one in Orlando called AM Expo, we're able to attend two days before the public does. So we get to see press rollouts, you know, interviews. Also, it's kind of opened the door. I got to interview like one of my heroes in motorcycle racing, a, a guy that won a bunch of world championships for the United States. And he, he's like my age. He's in his early 50s. But to sit down with this guy and actually interview him was, you know, like a, a real treat for me to, to meet the guy and say, holy cow, I get to interview Kevin Schwantz. And you know, we actually sat and had a conversation after the interview was over. But uh, yeah, you know, Chris and I both said if we hadn't have we we didn't have any listeners, we'd probably still do this. Just <laughs> <laughs> we like motorcycles so much, and Chris goes, "Yeah, because we like to hear ourselves talk too." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely part of it. <laughs> but yeah, I know I do the same. thing. I have a podcast with my brother in law that we. It's just kind of an excuse for us to chat and. We happen to broadcast it because maybe some folks find it interesting. Maybe it's just our families, our mutual <laughs> families that listen. But we'd still do it anyways just for fun because it's a good excuse to chat. And otherwise, sometimes you don't make time for that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's great. Uh, definitely love this medium. And uh, actually, speaking of this medium, got to pay the bills for this medium. And so I uh, just want to thank one of our sponsors here at Good Stuff. Uh, first sponsor of this episode is Campaign Monitor, who make it easy for you to create, send, and optimize your email marketing campaigns. You can design beautiful emails in minutes with their easy-to-use template builder. You can send more relevant emails by displaying content catered to your individual subscribers. And best of all, your emails will look great on any device. It just doesn't get any easier than this. Um, like I've said in previous episodes, I, I use them. We use them here at Good Stuff for sending out our email newsletters. Haven't done one in a while, so I need to get on that this week. But uh, we uh, also use it for just for sending up quick emails to correspond with groups, maybe around a specific podcast or um, around a specific topic or things like that that we're using here within internally at Good Stuff. And then uh, and also for stuff, like we said, for listeners and things like that, that we send out news about meetups and things like that that we do. So they make it super easy. So check out CampaignMonitor.com. My thanks to them for supporting Good Stuff and Show Me Your Mic. Um, so we sort of talked a bit about some of the gear and stuff that you're, you're using. So, um, and some of the stuff that you're recording with, maybe just talk about, uh, you sent me photos. So in case folks aren't aware to check out the, the episode page, goodstuff.fm slash SMYM, and this will be slash 73. Um, there'll be photos of, of Steven's gear that he sent me that just so you can have a visual of what's going on. But, um, Starting with the microphone and stuff that you're using, what what kind of gear you you mentioned you've upgraded since you started? But uh, what are you using these days? Yeah, kind of. We kind of like start like I said. I started with the the Nessie and then went to some XLR mics into a recorder, and now I'm using an Electro Voice RE320. Um, and I kind of learned about that on a podcast. You know that there was there's a guy out there that and I can't remember his name, but he's like a mic geek and he's like tested every single mic out there, <laughs> and has all these specs on them and. I learned that through Ray Ortega, listening to one of his shows and uh, went to this mic because, you know, it was like, and, my, and Chris is using a high PR40. And when he got that, that was like the mic that everybody was getting. So this was a big improvement and the sound quality is great. I also have a Rode reporter for field work 
and a um, Audio Technica, the AT2005. And I'm probably going to pick up another one of those just because they work great when I do remote stuff. That that mic, you know, on a USB level, sometimes I can't tell the difference, but it, it's a really good mic. Um, the Electrovoice RE320 is an Electrovoice shock mount on a Rode um, scissor mount, boom mount. And that was also another improvement I kept hearing like this noise every time I touch my desk and went with the scissor mount first and then the shock mount. And, you know, I'll, I'll read where people say, ah, you don't really need it, but it, it makes a huge difference. You don't hear anything then when I move it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I noticed in the picture you sent that it's a nice looking sort of doesn't, uh, yeah, it, it holds the mic nicely, I guess it looks like. And, uh, and sort of secure. And you're not worried it's going to drop, but also it just, uh, yeah, it, it's, it is really secure and it's not moving anywhere and it's just stationary. Mm-hmm. And it's got, I have a short XLR cable that, that's fed into a, um, an inline preamp, sort of like a Fethead, but it's made in the UK. Um, it's a guy, and I can't remember the name, but they're about the same as a Fethead. does the same exact thing. gives you about 20 dB, a really clean gain. And it's going into a Mackie Pro FX um, 8 mixer. And from there, I'll do... I'll pull the audio off of that, and right now I've got it running into a Tascam DR60D, which uh, I also have a, a Zoom H5, which I'll use also. And then the USB is fed into a, a MacBook, an older MacBook. Yeah, I saw yeah. it in your picture, the white. Uh, it's been a yeah. while since I've seen a, a white MacBook. <laughs> I've gotta, and that's like the next step is upgrading the computer because it's just getting to the limits now. Like I can't run the, the latest versions of... Uh, Final Cut and a lot of things on here because it's the older architecture that the OS is pretty limited on this. It's not a the newest Intel processor, so right kind of off right. Yeah, that'll be the next upgrade. Will be a 27 inch iMac just because you know I need the the screen space. Now I'm just running you know a, a secondary 25 inch monitor to, to kind of augment what I'm doing, yeah. and then. The digital stuff for the field, the the video is actually had a background in still photography. All the years I worked in the fire department, I was my, I had a hobby as a kid as a photographer, but it kind of grew into me being a, a professional. And I'd worked as a stringer for the Miami Herald, and I worked for a firefighters magazine for a long time, and did interior photography. So I had a background in in film photography. You know, uh, film being the stuff you had to develop in a dark room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, thirty five millimeter kids these days. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And I, uh, I recently sold everything I had that was Canon Digital and went to an Olympus Micro Four Thirds system just because it's so much smaller and I can travel with it on the motorcycle. And then after I bought that, I started to learn about digital video on those types of cameras. So went from there and learned about audio. And it, it's funny too because I'm going to admit to some mistake I made on the air, but... <laughs> When I interviewed that MotoGP racer, Kevin Schwantz, I had didn't know very much about how to record the audio. And I had, at the time, I had a, a Tascam, like a DR05, you know, one of their small handheld recorders, and wasn't using it. It didn't record the audio separately, but I took a the input, which was a three and a half millimeter jack on the camera, put a splitter on it, and then put two mics <laughs> on that, and there was no gain, you know. Right. Luckily, I had that DRO5 running on the floor to pick up like ambient audio. So I was able to salvage the interview by sending that off to somebody and having them 
clean up the audio, you know, increase some of the gain on it and then try to sync it up to the video. And it, it, it worked. It was salvageable. It didn't sound great. It doesn't, you know, but it's there. So mm-hmm. right after that is when I started saying, you know what, I need to learn about how this is going to work, audio and video, and then upgraded to the, to the H5. And then after, you know, doing some more research, went to the DR60 because of the, the onboard tones and slate function and, you know, it kind of mounts underneath the camera and now it's been a, a huge improvement. So you're using the DR60 along and then for video, you're using the Olympus four thirds, like the, that's capturing yeah. the video. Yeah, that's capturing. It's an OMD EM one. It's their, their flagship four thirds. And what I'll probably end up doing is because the video on there, it's good, but it's not like the quality of the, the, the Panasonic GH4. Um, Olympus just announced their upgraded uh, OMD EM5 II that's got much better video, 4K, um, you know, selectable frame rates and things like that. So I'll I'll probably wait till they they do the same upgrade on the EM1 and then upgrade that body as well because video is really great on there. It, it's surprising, and I have GoPros as well too, but I just like using the Micro Four Thirds. The lenses are super sharp, um, great resolution, and they're they're small, you know. The only thing I wish it had would be like on-the-fly manual exposure changing. It doesn't. You have to stop the video to change the exposure. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as your room is set up and not changing, you're okay. But yeah, if you're... I mean, a lot of what I do is out in the field. So like this weekend, I shot outdoors. So I had everything mounted on a tripod with the road reporter going into the into the recorder. And I'm by myself, you know, so it's kind of difficult. But um, what I'll do is I'll set all the audio levels first. I'll hand the microphone off to the person I'm interviewing. I'll frame it so I can know where I'm going to stand into the frame when I get in there. I'll set the audio levels. And then how the the task cam works a a bunch of different ways. You can actually have the audio that's being recorded from the camera fed into there, or you can feed from there into the camera. And that's what I do. So I have a signal going out into the camera. I set the levels in the camera, and then I have an auto tone set. So as soon as I hit record on the digital recorder, it sends a tone to the camera. So that's your sync mark. Mm, Nice. Grab the road, go into the frame do the interview you know and uh walk out of the frame and stop it so it it works really well and honestly the audio that fed to the camera is usable so you you really wouldn't even have to uh you know edit that out and then add in another track from the digital recorder but i will because it's 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 cleaner the game sounds better right yeah Uh, and so you're doing a one or one mic interview like sort of back and forth with tv reporter style interviews when you're doing it live or yeah with the road reporter you don't need to do that it's an omnidirectional mic that you can kind of hold at chest level and it'll pick up a pretty good distance right around where you're at so i've I oh, actually gotcha. two people next to me just by holding that mic right in front of me the reporter works really good for that you don't have to go stick it in their face and go back and forth i tried doing that originally with like some guitar center db 100 xlr mics and it's tough because the person tries to grab the mic, you know, and then when they, I've even tried having them hold it, like I've used two or three mics and then they're not close enough to the face. It's just kind of, kind of a nightmare. It's easier to use one mic. I mean, I'll probably at some point upgrade to a lav on myself and use the reporter more for the person I'm interviewing and then just have both of those audio tracks. The really nice thing about the DR5 or the Tascam DR62 is it'll do an, it'll do a two track recording with a backup track at, your selectable db lower so like i have mine set for six db lower than the main track so if there's some loud noise from either the person like they yell or 
something happens, you, you still have a salvageable secondary track at a lower decibel. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. I, I wasn't following what you're saying, but yeah, that makes sense now. So it, it just has a secondary track that it just drops the decibel level by six or doesn't take whatever. I'm using whatever you set it, but a bunch of options that way you can set it at. But yeah, yeah. and it, it, that's a great feature to have. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense because often you you don't account for the fact that this guy all of a sudden or girl you're interviewing and just starts shouting or gets really excited or or uh, whatever. It, you know, in motorcycle events, I can't tell you the number of times I've been like recording and all of a sudden somebody cranks up a bike to do a burnout right. or something I know like gets in the picture and goes, hey, what's going on? You know, and so it's funny too because uh, I did, I shot an event in Orlando and, you know, like I said, I'm by myself. So I got the tripod set up. I've got an XLR cable plugged into, I had, at the time I had a Zoom H5 mounted on top of the camera on a cold shoe. And this woman just like walks right in front of the camera staring at the motorcycle we're talking about. Like <laughs> she, she like had to step over the cable that I have in my hand for the mic <laughs> I'm on the video going, really? Hey, hey, you know, and she just kind of like looks at me, looks at the camera and then wanders away, like had no clue what was going on. <laughs> but that, you know, that this is the stuff that I'm learning about doing field interviews and it, it's, it's really, you know, ENG, electronic news gathering. So yeah, and I think that's what's, uh, it's so interesting as someone who has spent most, like I've done some video work where I've interviewed people in the field, so to speak, but primarily the podcasting stuff I've done has just been me in my basement studio and someone else in their basement studio. There's very little worry about <laughs> some, some person wandering through and, <laughs> but it is a, it, just a totally different experience of having to try and conduct an interview with somebody while you've got all this stuff happening around you. And obviously, you know, a, a bike show is going to have its own set of secondary issues as far as volume and, and noise and stuff in the background. But well, not to mention too, they had live bands going. So right. I'm trying to time things between the band being <laughs> like changing sets and things like that. So it's difficult sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you mentioned as far as, uh, so you, you get that back, um, the 60 DR 60 D or actually it's now the, or maybe this is what you're saying. The DR60 Mark II now is the one that's out, or I think is it looks like they it's actually been- have DR70 now too. The Mark II is was an improvement in preamps from the from the um, the standard 60D and a couple other small things. But I ended up picking up this one really pretty inexpensive on eBay. But at the time, the DR70 was also out, and the DR70 adds some stereo microphones built into it as well. But because I had a Zoom H5 already, I didn't opt for that. And the price was significantly more. It was a little bit more than double what I paid for this, for the the 70. This, the form factor on the 72 is kind of neat because it's um, thinner. It's This thing kind of sits like high and the camera sits high enough. Luckily, because the, the four-thirds camera is so small, it's not a big deal. The only thing I didn't like on the 70 was the screen's tilted. It's tilted up. So if you've got the camera on it and it's on a tripod a little high, you can't see the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah. The screen's flat, you know? Yeah, I'm just looking at it here too. And then first in the thumbnail, it didn't even look like it was the right device because it just looked, yeah, like you said, it's a different shape now. And looks like yeah. it's about 100 bucks more, give or take. You know, obviously your mileage may vary, but um, around 200 bucks for new for a 60 and 300 bucks for the 70, I'm sure. You can pick up the 60s, even the non-Mark II versions, for around 150 bucks. Yeah, and the B&H had one on, had a sale running them for 129. So to me, that's a great value for a four-track, you know, digital recorder by itself is a great value. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm using it right now. It's hooked into the hooked into the mixer and it's recording my end. So it, or actually, it's recording both of us. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a great 
tool to have in the studio where you can have it like you're using right now as a backup in a sense like i'm hopefully got my recording plus my backup going and if both of those fail then i'll be crying to you for a, <laughs> a copy but uh but yeah for your own studio just as a backup and then also having it as a, a as an option for a field recorder uh, that i think previous guests have mentioned too the idea of like often i think we try and as nerds anyways uh sometimes we try and well i've got this phone iphone here i'll just use that because i can get an app on there and it'll record but then that introduces just all sorts of some complexities of like well you might have your notes on your phone and so how are you going to record and then um it certainly can all be done but you know you just basically rather i i like the idea of having a device that's all it's for especially when it's like mission critical stuff like audio that's all it does and it just does that really well um it's a a handy thing to have for sure. And, so. and I'm really starting to like this thing. And I might, you know, at one point I thought I was going to sell the H5 just because I haven't really been using it. But um, I may end up putting, buying the shotgun attachment for that and using that also when I do some remote stuff just to have it as, as a secondary device on the camera pointing at wherever we're doing the interview and just see how that works. Because this thing has performed pretty well. You know, the, the preamps on it are decent. It sounds good. I'm not really getting any... Um, any artifact you know that i'm hearing so mm-hmm. we'll see yeah what would if someone was uh like well i guess in my case but i'm sure there's other folks like me who like if you're i hear the zoom h5 being tossed around the the tascam dr60 70 whichever one and why would you choose one or over the other or uh like you obviously have both because you've upgraded since but is there a reason why you might choose one or over the other honestly chris it's been a lot of the feedback that i've gotten from podcasts that I've consumed and listen to the guys out there that, you know, like Daniel J. Lewis and like Ray Ortega and the the guys that I've kind of come to trust on their reviews, you know, and I didn't know, you know, anything about this equipment really until I started to, to listen to these shows and, uh, and understand what they're doing. And then, you know, you, th- there's a lot of content on YouTube, you know, it, but you start to vet it and you start to look and see like, well, this person's just like getting this stuff and trying it, doesn't really know what they're talking about. But some of the other guys you listen to that have a background in film or photography or audio, they were audio and engineer, you know, I'm really kind of listening to what they have to say and listening to some of their reviews and then samples and things like that. So it's really about doing some research. And that's why like I said, I started off with a Tascam DR05, a little handheld recorder. And just that itself was a huge um, upgrade over using an iPhone, let's say. Mm-hmm. For, but there are guys, and I, there's some other podcast shows that are motorcycle related that I've seen, know these guys, I'm friends with them, and they've been doing you know trade shows with me. And they're using like a little handheld note-taking audio recorder. And you can tell the difference in the show when you listen to it. You can tell the difference in the audio. It's huge. Mm-hmm. So being able to do some research and look into some of these things, and that's the beauty of the internet too, is, you know, everybody's got an opinion. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I can sympathize uh, or empathize. I always forget which one, but uh, with uh, folks who are getting into this and sort of looking and you hear one person might be like, you know, talking mics, for example, you so impassioned that the how PR 40 is the only mic you should be using for podcasting or whatever. And then someone else says the road podcaster and someone else says, whatever. And so you're, you're kind of like at the end of the day, like, I don't really know. And and often you don't have access to like a music store that you, where you can even go test these out at least or whatever. But, um, and so it is tough sometimes when you're, you're getting into this thing to try and understand, know where to sort of start your first step, I guess, in a sense. And, 
And sometimes it boils down to that compromise between quality and money as well. Yeah. You know, people now, I've got people asking me about, hey, what do you think I should get? And I'm like, an ATR 2000, 2100 or an AT 2005 for 50 bucks. You know, you can run your way and it sounds decent. Yeah. It sounds really good. And it's better than buying, you know, like a headset, like a gaming headset. Yeah. So, um, you know, the funny thing is, is this, that debate over, like I, like you said, bring up microphones in a podcasting community. It's the same thing in the motorcycle community. God forbid if you start talking about oil. <laughs> You know, you'll be like, I know people that have been like banned from forums because of their opinions about synthetic versus dyno oil and, you know, <laughs> this brand or this weight. No, my God, it's, it's almost become a joke, you know, yeah. somewhere. And, I'm sure there's a, a show me your oil podcast out there somewhere where they just discuss <laughs> motorcycle. Oil. <laughs> Listen, I've listened to our podcast just discussing the chemistry of oil and, you know, <laughs> what works and what doesn't work. It's, yeah. It's, funny and i'm sure they would equally make fun of somebody sitting and having an hour-long conversation about podcasting gear so it's all it all works out in the end <laughs> yeah exactly so um well th- before we end i often or i always not often i i do this every time is ask folks for podcasts they listen to and and what apps you're listening to so if you want to i don't know if you grab your app of choice or your phone or your device or whatever while i thank our final um the final way you can support show me your mic is by visiting a small orange they're a web hosting company that has a simple vision Perfecting hosting while maintaining a homegrown feel with a focus on people, their customers, their employees, and their community. A small orange isn't like those big hosting conglomerates. They don't promise unlimited plans that are actually hindered by hidden limitations. Instead, you're only responsible for paying for the resources you need. Whether you're just starting your own blog or running a powerful e-commerce site, they have a plan for you. And uh, like I've said before, before I could recommend them, I wanted to try it out. And so I've set up a, a dumb little site on <laughs> dumb mice. For what I'm doing, anyways, uh, uh, using a small orange, I recorded a screencast of myself setting it up from registering domains, setting up WordPress, writing the first blog post, putting an about page, and setting up some anti spam stuff or whatever, all in about 30 minutes. Uh, you can check the links in the sponsor section of goodstuff.fm/slash smym/slash 73 for links on, to watch the YouTube video as well as to visit a small orange. And by doing so, you're supporting myself and show me your mic. Uh, if you end up using them for hosting, thanks to them for that. So, uh, yeah, what's, uh, what podcasts are you listening to these days? This one, a really obscure show called show me your mic. I listen to <laughs> Yeah. Can't stand the host of that, but it's the other one is, uh, is your fault. I listen to the year of tea every morning with Maurice Cherry. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, it's actually like got me to order a couple of teas that, that he drinks. So I really like that show a lot. And I actually listen to his, his other show too, just to, get an idea of what it was like and it was really good um i listened to the audacity to podcast daniel j lewis mm-hmm. ray ortega's ray ortega's podcasters roundtable in the podcaster studio i like them both motorcycle side i listen to cleveland moto uh, the adventure rider radio wheel nerds the pace podcast and on the news end i listen to soft rep com which is a uh, soft rep radio is special operations report from the special operations community which is really a great news type podcast. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm one of these guys that'll like hear something on a show, like your show or someone else's show, go and listen to a few of the episodes. And if I like it, I start to listen when I can. But it becomes difficult when there's a lot. Mm-hmm. I listen to serial like all the way through when it first, when I, when I had first heard about it and thought that was kind of cool just because the content was neat. But I, I tend to 
now podcasts has replaced the radio for me. I have like an hour and 15 minute commute to work every day one way. And uh, I ride a motorcycle and I listen to that in my helmet, you know, through a, one of the Bluetooth devices. But Nice. Yeah, it's kind of a mix, you know, some podcasts about podcasts because that's educational <laughs> for me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of motorcycle content and uh, some news-related stuff. And then whatever else comes floating that you may have on your show, like like Maurice's show. You know, that was, for me, that was a cool hit, a big find. That was neat. Yeah, and that's, again, like, just like I was saying, one of those sort of niche little topics that you might not think would be that, um, I don't know, that interesting if you're not into tea, I guess, or whatever. But just uh, like short, quick to the point podcast and it doesn't have to be big long production or anything that sort of like serials you know it would be the other extreme um there's plenty of room and space for both and and especially as people want to listen to stuff that's maybe quicker if they don't have as long a commute or whatever or listen to a bunch of podcasts there's always there's a market for that kind of stuff too so um how is the uh, i was curious how what's the audio like uh do you notice i guess sort of the varying degrees of audio quality as much in bluetooth headphones inside a helmet is it equivalent well, to like just me listening with uh, headphones and it depends like the the most of the systems have a uh, speakers that are that you put in like pockets in the helmet and those are okay but the system that I run the Sina 20s also you can plug earbuds in so I plug some really high quality earbuds into the thing and well it'll, to me it sounds exactly like it sounds as if I was listening to the earbuds with a little bit of background hum from the road noise and wind noise but the quality is, is really good. And as a matter of fact, the speakers in the 20S, just for stereo speakers of themselves, sound phenomenal. And I actually have some significant hearing loss from all the years in the fire department where I've got, uh, you know, I really should be wearing a hearing aid. But So I tend to wear earplugs all the time on the bike anyway. So having the, the, um, the earbuds in uh, kind of helps with that. It cuts out a lot of the road noise. There's, a, there's some products on the market called uh, there's a company out of the uk called no noise that makes hearing protection filters so they're based on the type of work you're doing and they make one for motorsports that allows you to filter out road noise high-pitched wind noise things like that at a certain frequency range and then still be able to hear your speakers in the headset the amazing thing about those is the microphone because i've been on a cross-country trip and talking to people at work and they had no idea i was on a motorcycle Oh, really? oh, like uh, on the phone or whatever, like Bluetooth phone. phone. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. impressive. Yeah. Chris and I have actually, we've actually talked to each other. Well, well, we were, we met out in Arizona and that was the funny thing is we never actually met at each other until we went to this event out in Arizona. And, uh, we, you know, he rode from San Diego. I was riding from Florida and we were like checking in with each other and talking while we were riding on the bikes. <laughs> Next step, we'll be recording a podcast on the bikes maybe is. Well, here's the funny thing. <laughs> With like Boss Jock and some of these, there's an actual, there's an app that I, because we wanted to provide some test levels on that system so people could understand what the difference between the 10 and the 20 were, I actually recorded with an app, and I can't remember the name of it, but um, while I was on the bike. So, you know, just started the recorder and said, okay, I'm now at, you know, 50 miles an hour with the windshield in the low position and my visor up on the helmet. Here's what it sounds like. And I'll give you some quiet time. And that, so... You, we, we've actually joked around and talked about recording an episode while we were both riding. We're probably going to do that. Yeah, it would be neat just for yeah. to hear the quality, obviously, too, but also right. just to sort of, it's kind of like, you know, the equivalent, a little bit more dangerous maybe, but the equivalent of the sort of walking audio journal podcast I know I've heard of some folks doing. I mean, certainly it's not going to be while we're in heavy traffic on like an interstate. It'll probably be when we're out riding a back road somewhere, but uh, 
you know, you, you can, I can tell you right now, you're going to be able to tell that we're not in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> it's nowhere near the quality of the studio, Mike. Unless he packs on, somehow fits a PR40 inside his headphone and, uh, <laughs> I was actually thinking of taking this road boom arm and drilling a hole and putting it on the top of my helmet so that the mic just like came out down the front. You know, <laughs> look like I'm from the Jetsons or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> nice. Uh, what are you using to play back podcasts or apps or whatever that you use to use the podcast app and, and I, you know, the iTunes one for the iPhone to me, that's just the easiest. It, it, I understand the interface. I've been using it for a while and, I kind of like played around with some of the other stuff out there. And to me, this is just, I don't know, it, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's better stuff out there, but. Oh, yeah, I, whatever works. And, and really, you know, even when I'm at work, I, I just plug that thing into a power source so I don't run the battery dead and, and listen, consume the, the same exact way. I, yeah. got, I downloaded something the other day, I think Overcast, but I haven't really messed around with it. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one, too, as well to try. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that one you pay, uh, I think it's, you have to unlock it for five bucks to have more than five podcasts subscribed. I forget what the limit is on it, but it's a nice, nice looking, simple, again, podcast app. Now that they've added, and I think this was a recent change. So on the podcast app, when you click on the image, you get the show notes and their hot links. So that's really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And when I always test ours as well, too, to make sure that, uh, that they're working right through that app. Yeah, and that's something actually I would guess, I don't know, uh, I know I struggled with that for the first while of doing my podcast of just like, do I, I, I don't like listening to my voice and so I'm not going to listen to myself or whatever, <laughs> but it certainly is a great way to know what is going on because people, unless things are really bad, like, well, I had thanks to, uh, I don't have the link in front of me, but somebody told me that, you know, episode five of the show, episode five and episode 40, for whatever reason, the files weren't downloading and I'm into their podcast player and Turns out there's a corrupted file on our end of some sort somehow. And uh, so thanks, Amazon. But uh, the, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going and re-downloading every episode. And so people don't necessarily tell you, unless it's really bad, um, if it's just sort of manageable, they'll put up with it maybe or stop listening. But they're not going to, they have to either really like you to want to inform you that it's bad and needs to be changed or, uh, yeah, you won't necessarily hear that kind of stuff. So we had some feedback on some things where like, the audio overlaps from the music and there was a problem and you know we're able to go back really quick and fix it so i always appreciate that i appreciate every bit of criticism we get you know Mm -hmm. so it's me upgrade um the quality of the show and one of our hardcore listeners a guy that was watching us has been emailing me you know and he told me in the past hey this one show is really hard to listen to funny thing is there's been other shows i've listened to like recently that were um, newer motorcycle-related podcasts where I, I had to stop listening to it because it was almost unlistenable because of how poor quality the audio was. Yeah. And right. I feel kind of weird sometimes giving feedback, being another podcaster myself. Like, it's not, to me, it's not about, I'm not in competition with them or I don't feel that they're, uh, you know, um, somebody I got to worry about, but I just feel like they're going to take it the wrong way. But I shot somebody an email and said, hey, just re-listen to that show and, it's really hard to listen to. So, yeah, and the, like we mentioned, you know, the bar is getting raised as more folks who listen to, you know, five years ago or whatever, they you'd put up with a certain level of audio quality because we were all kind of figuring this out. But now, you know, gear prices are coming down and expectations are going up. I guess, and 
um, you know, things like Serial or whatever have certainly raised the bar in terms of what's out there for a, a free podcast. But not to say that you have to be obsessive about the audio levels and quality and stuff. But I think the the baseline sort of level that uh, folks are going to listen to on an ongoing basis, as long as there's improvement in your show over time. Obviously, it's tough for, you know, going back to episode one of this show, I think would sound worse than hopefully slightly right. worse than 70, 73 or whatever. And so, um, yeah. I think they'll, people will grow with you, but yeah, if you're not really improving or or keeping up a, a little bit of the with the baseline sort of level that's out there, then uh, it, it will hinder or hurt your chances of of building an audience, probably. So, and I think that you know, for us, I, I kind of like to say we're still middle of the road when it comes to quality. We, we still have a lot to learn. There's a lot of improvement, like you said, in the website. There's a lot of things we don't we don't know, but you know, the reality is we both work. We have full time careers and. Chris just had, he's got two little kids. He's just had another baby. So I try to do, take as much burden off of him as I can to, to get this stuff done. But it, when you look at it, it is, it's not paying the bills. Yeah. We do have some money coming in through Patreon and that that's just strictly going to be used for paying for hosting and things like that. But, um, I try to try to keep the quality up. And I, I think one of the biggest improvements we have was going to Auphonic that, um, being able to level everything out where it sounded good. For us, we got a lot of positive feedback when we started using that. Hey, whatever you guys did, it sounds really good. So nice, and that, yeah, I forgot to mention actually, or ask you a bit about that because that's something that uh, not a lot of folks might be wouldn't be necessarily be familiar with. But um, maybe just talk a bit about so you, you edit your show obviously in terms of you know if there's content or whatever and export it out of Audacity and then send it over or what? How does yeah, it work? Export it out as a wave out of audacity and then uh, like i said i use the desktop version that the two hours a month wasn't it wasn't cutting it for me so i just ponied up and bought the desktop version and um once it goes through there and is their algorithms applied to it i convert it to an mp3 in itunes so for uh, me itunes seems to work the best I, I can also like spit it out of of uh i think Auphonic has an option where i can um have it come out as an mp3 but I just keep it as a wave. And then I kind of archive the Audacity um, pro- project for each one of these off on a separate hard drive and just to have it in case something ever happened and I lost everything. And then the output at MP3 as well. So it, Auphonic it really works good. I was surprised the first time I tried it. And I tried it because I heard it on... I. I think Ray did like a two episode show about yeah, you went long on that one. <laughs> it was like four hours or something. And I listened to the whole thing and I, my eyes were bleeding, you know, from staring at the road while I was listening to this, but it was good. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about, um, leveling and compression and how this all worked. And then w- went ahead and took one of my, one of my shows that I had gotten some, you know, critical feedback on and ran it through their online, um, section and man, what a difference. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll put that. I think that's episode 85 of Ray's show, which I'll put a link to, or that's the first one I think in, in the show notes. And, uh, and for folks maybe from the past who hear leveler audio leveling kind of magic and think levelator, this is definitely not that it's worlds better than that. I can attest to that. I, I haven't started using it myself just cause I'm either lazy and or, uh, cheap and, um, my workflow is what it is. And, and it takes a while for me to add new th- new steps to my workflow. But if uh, it would be something I, I've certainly tried and experimented with, even the iOS app of Ophonic, 
and it's amazing what they can do just for free if you try it out that way. But yeah, the desktop app is basically like you would, it's not an audio editor. It doesn't do any of that kind of stuff. It's just uh, adaptive leveling, loudness normalization, peak limiter, and noise and hum reduction and a high pass filter. And so um, that's yeah. basically what you would, like you said, you'd take your audio file that you've already edited down, music and everything if you want. You can have it sort of take care of all that for you if you want and identifies music versus um talking and have it do it. No, it works great. And I've actually done batch processing with it. So I've went in and edited a bunch of different segments, like some video interviews I did in the show and things like that. And then just dragged everything in there and had batch process all of it. And, uh, and it worked great. Yeah. It really was. It, to me, it was worth it. Um, yeah, it's about 90 bucks. Like it doesn't for something like that. And that, there was a Christmas sale that I missed, but it, it was, I think I paid $89 for it, which was yeah. fun. Yeah. But, and you can, like I said, you can try it out on the web version for free like you said i think it's two hour limit per month or whatever that they let let you use which for some podcasters might be enough like that's maybe enough if you've got a a shorter show uh, or only a few episodes a month or whatever um but certainly you can very easily uh it's worth taking the time when you're doing this kind of stuff to do a before and after test a side-by-side test of okay is this actually sounding better or not am i wasting my time wasting my money or is it worth it and will um because the way i think of it too is if if whatever episode you put out next happens to be the first one that some other person listens to your first for the first time they're experiencing your show, you want it to be as good as possible. And within, you know, obviously, like we said, budget and money and time and all that kind of stuff, allowing for that. But a tool like this can save you well, a bunch of time in figuring all this stuff out manually in something like logic or GarageBand or audacity and uh, could potentially gain you a new listener or two uh, because of it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, where can folks find you and uh, keep up with what's going on in the Cafe Racer community? www.caferacerpodcast.com. We're on Facebook, too, as Cafe Racer Podcast. We are on Instagram as Cafe Racer Podcast. And look for us on Twitter as Cafe Racer Pod, P-O-D, all one word. We are everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and you've got actually, it looks like, 500 and some likes on Facebook. It's, it's interesting. That's a, a whole separate discussion, but just the, you know, Twitter followers versus Facebook followers or likers or whatever. Um, and where folks will identify and want to subscribe and follow along with a certain niche, each niche topic or whatever is kind of different as far as the audience for it. And it's worth experimenting with different aspects of it. Of the yeah, that's the thing we're trying to learn is how to combine all this stuff up. So we don't have, you know, there's, I know that, uh, in WordPress, there's ways of doing it with some plugins so that everything gets fed out at once. And that, that's kind of the direction we're moving into because we also have a Google Plus account. And I'm, I, I'm pretty, you know, I try to stay involved with that Google Plus community of podcasters just because I learned so much. But um, I mean, that's how I found you, you know, through that. But uh, mm-hmm. we, that's the next step is learning more about social media and how to interact with the, the people that are listening and provide good content. We just also put a link in for... Um, you know, a newsletter campaign that we haven't started yet, but that's going to be primarily to let people know about events that are coming up in their area, motorcycle related events. Cool. All right. Yeah. So thanks Stephen for stopping by, show me your mic. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, you can find all the links and things we discussed, all the gear and everything else uh, and podcasts that he recommended that he listens to at goodstuff.fm slash SMYM slash 73. 
My thanks once again to Campaign Monitor and A Small Orange for supporting good stuff and Show Me Your Mic. And if you'd like to support Show Me Your Mic and my podcasting efforts more directly, you can do so on my Patreon, patreon.com slash iChris. And uh, I'm on, well, actually, <laughs> I, I'm uh, taking a little break from Twitter right now myself, but you can follow me on iChris on Twitter, and I'll see you again in a little while. But uh, tw- uh, Show Me Your Mic has a Twitter account, S-M-Y-M underscore F-M, where I tweet out, obviously, show news, but also just general podcasting links and articles that I find and stumble across along my internet journeys and uh, if you've got questions comments suggestions for this show i'd love to hear from you chris at goodstuff.fm is my email and uh yeah fire me an email if you're struggling i think what i might do actually with this episode since we talked about it, i'll tell you this now after the fact if you've listened all the way through is i'll run this one maybe through a phonic i don't run every episode through there on the web version just to you can tell me how it sounds compared to maybe episode 72 if you're just listening to it or episode 74 i probably won't because i'll forget <laughs> so uh you can tell me if it sounds better worse if it's worth uh paying if i should be dropping the money for it and uh and start doing that regularly uh, i'd love to hear your opinions especially because there's so many different devices and headphones and speakers and all that kind of stuff that people are listening to podcasts on each one does a better or worse job of uh correcting for my own errors and issues so let me know. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.